I'm Tina Tang, an equities trader turned jewelry designer turned strength coach for women over 40. This podcast is my survival guide to health over 40, where I'll share things I wish my mom had told me, and where I'll interview experts to give us guidance about aging well. Check in every week for my newest episode. Hi, friends. I wanted to share something special I started this summer. If you live in the Jersey City area, I am now coaching my own small group strength training sessions twice a week. Because form and personal connection are very important to me, these training sessions are limited to five people. If you're new to strength or simply love a small group environment, come join me. You don't need to be a beginner since these are semi-personal training sessions where I will be attentive to your level. I'll leave the training schedule in the show notes. Now on to this week's episode. So you want to work in fitness or do a career change into fitness. In episode one, I go over how I got into fitness at the age of 42, but I want to go a little bit more in depth today about what that actually means if this is something that you're seriously thinking about in terms of changing your career. Working in fitness is not just about loving workouts. That's actually only a small small part of being a fitness professional. Like all careers, being a fitness professional is about making enough money to support yourself. You got to make a living. Just knowing how to lift weights, do yoga, work on a Pilates reformer is not enough. Unless you're going to be working at a big box gym, and a big box gym would be like a lifetime fitness, crunch, equinox, a retro fitness. Unless you're going to be working there for your entire career, you're going to have to have business skills under your belt. At those big gyms, they take the time to educate their trainers. And to be perfectly honest and behind the scenes, most of the people that they hire are actually with little to no experience. So they have to train their trainers on how to be a trainer. And at a place like that, at a retro fitness, Equinox Crunch, Lifetime Fitness, the trainers are actually salespeople. One of the things that I learned when I started my fitness career at Equinox at age 42 was that we had to learn how to sell. And in fact, that's what they trained us on. Because in order to be a trainer, you need clients. Clients just don't plop into your hand. And the big gyms like that, they wanted their trainers to actually get their own clients. That's what they consistently told us from the start. And one of the ways that these gyms have you learn how to find clients is that when you start out, you have to do something called floor shifts. And in a floor shift, you're handing out towels. You're tidying the work area, weight area. You know how people never put their stuff away. You're talking to people working out at the gym. You're cold approaching people Ideally, to develop a relationship so that you can convince them why they need personal training and to possibly try out a free session if that particular gym does it that way. And if you're thinking about the fitness career, specifically personal training or group fitness, it is great to start at a big place like that. So when I started at Equinox, one thing that was really nice and make and is hard to do without when you leave to go independent is that there's a community. There's a community of training professionals where you're in the same boat working horrible hours. Because you remember, as a fitness professional, you're not working nine to five. You are working the hours that 
are before people go to work. So clients, before clients go to work and after clients go, go to work. And you end up doing something called a split shift. That means you're doing your training before 9 a.m. So you're working 5 to 9 a.m. or you're working from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. And maybe even both. That's what a split shift is. So one of the nice things about working at a big gym is that you have a whole community of people doing exactly that taking naps in the trainer room and commiserating. And another wonderful thing being in a gym with a community of other trainers is there is a lot, there's not, at least the place I worked out, it wasn't competitive in that you're trying to take clients from each other. There was a lot of sharing of knowledge. There was working out together. Um, there really was a sense of camaraderie. So you have that as a benefit of starting out at a big gym. And these larger companies, these larger gyms educate their trainers. So at Equinox, there would be physical therapists coming in. Uh, our managers would be educating us on skills, um, on selling techniques. So that is a great place to start off at if you're thinking about a career change. Here's the downside. Those places pay shit. When you're working a floor shift, you're working for minimum wage. You're essentially getting paid minimum wage until you start training clients. And even, even when you do start training clients, it is at a discounted rate compared to if you were to do the training on your own. Now, when you work at a big box gym and let's say you start training clients, a benefit is that you don't have travel time. So you become more established, you have peers around you, and then you can book your training shifts, uh, training sessions back to back. So you might train someone at a 6 a.m., then a 7 a.m., at a 8 a.m., a 9 a.m. So already you've worked three or four hours uh, of your day. And if you go out on your own, most likely you would have to travel to different gyms or to different people's homes, eating up some of your day or your work time. So I want you to think about that. So let's talk more and segue into if you were to become a fitness professional, a trainer, and you were not going to work at a big box gym, but we're going to work on your own. It is, again, not just about coaching or training. If you love helping people, that's actually a small portion of your job. You have to sell. You have to find clients. It is like every other business out there. Amazon's already established an environment where clients come find them because people know what they do. But it's like having a, a hair salon where you have to find your clients. And in order to find your own clients, you have to make yourself known to the public. So being a fitness professional, a trainer, you need the public to know who you are. And it is not enough to have a gazillion certifications because regular people don't know, don't understand what some of these acronyms mean. So right now, when I tell you I'm RKC SFL BRM certified, would you even care? Are you listening to this podcast? Cause you know that I'm RKC SFL pre and postnatal? No. Just like you might not know or might not care, and that's not the reason why you listen to this podcast, the average person doesn't care or know either what that means. Getting certifications helps you have more tools in your toolbox as a fitness professional. It helps you train better, but it doesn't necessarily help you have clients or make you a better trainer. 
people hire trainers because they see that that trainer can help them with their particular problem or goal. And it doesn't even matter what the certification is. That's why reference uh, referrals are very helpful. If I have a friend and she's, I notice that her body's changing or she is a lot stronger and that's what I want, I'm going to find out who her trainer is because I can see that that trainer got her those results. And then that I need to feel comfortable with the trainer. I have to feel comfortable knowing I'm going to go meet this person for an hour every week or twice a week. And I need to know that I can trust them because trainers often get fired because they are showing up late or they cancel, they cancel appointments. So these things are all important factors when you decide to go out on your own as a fitness professional. And the following advice is assuming that you want to go into fitness, but you aren't planning on opening up your own gym or studio. The most important part of succeeding or making a living as a fitness professional is you need hustle. To make a living as a fitness professional, you must hustle because you are essentially the sole proprietor of your own business. Now, if you decide that you want to be a group fitness instructor, you're ideally going to work somewhere where you can get a lot of hours, so a lot of classes to coach and have them set. So what's great about being a group fitness instructor is that you're going to know what your income is every month. You're, you know how many classes you'll be teaching and whether you have one person coming to that class or 30 people coming to that class, that gym or studio always pays you the same rate and you have a set amount. So sometimes fitness professionals will have different types of income coming in. So they might also teach group classes besides working with clientele's, uh, clientele themselves. As a personal trainer, if that's what you want to do, you have to find clients. And in order to do that, you might have to go to networking events, like a, what they call it, a BNI, a weekly. Um, you might have to start out at a big gym, develop a clientele, and then go solo because oftentimes the clients will leave with you because they trust you. They're not there for the Equinox, the Lifetime Fitness. They've developed a relationship with you. So when you decide to leave, oftentimes they will go with you um, unless it's just for location convenience. They're just training with anyone because it's a block away. But oftentimes that personal connection is extremely important. But as a fitness professional, finding the clientele is basically on you. So in order to do this, in order to succeed, to make a living as a fitness professional, and specifically I'm going to talk about being uh, a fitness coach or a personal trainer, these are the things that you need to think about before you make that change if you haven't already. You have to market regularly on Instagram or some platform that you feel comfortable that you can be consistent. You need to create content so that people can see what it is that you know, and in creating the content, they get a feel for you. So it helps them develop a trust for you. So that's one. Two, you can create workshops or events. Another way to establish trust or visibility, uh, which helps you with attaining potential clients. And clients don't necessarily convert right away in terms of like, oh, I, I saw she, she did a great workshop. I'm going to immediately hire her. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it just takes time where they need to see you and know you for a longer periods of time before they decide to hire you. 
And besides developing a clientele in person, if you want to, uh, if you want to scale, that's the right way. If you want to scale, you have to develop an online clientele. And what I mean by that is think about this. Let's say you're training clients for five or seven hours every day. In order for you to make more, because you're only getting paid by your FaceTime, you would have to actually work more hours. So do you want to work 10 hours a day? Um, and let me tell you that training people is a whole different kind of energy than sitting at an office working 10 hours because you're talking, you're engaging, you're listening. In essence, oftentimes trainers joke around that being a personal trainer is actually like being a therapist because you're not talking about yourself. A good trainer is talking about the things that the client likes to talk about because they're your client. If you want to be able to scale and not just make the kind of money for the amount of hours you put in, you will probably have to develop an online clientele to supplement your in-person clientele. Because with an online clientele where you're doing what they call remote training, which is maybe just developing workout programs, that allows you to work not to work without having to, to be face-to-face -face at work for a particular hour. And it gives you a little bit of flexibility of doing work, but maybe during hours where uh, you don't have to just train back to back to back. I hope this makes sense. In summary, changing careers because you love working out or helping others is not enough for you to make a living. I want you to ask yourself, are you okay with an unstable or unpredictable income? Because in the beginning, you're going to have that. Are you okay knowing that the marketing and the finding of clientele falls solely on you? You constantly have to be creating content. Are you okay with the idea that the only way you make more is by literally working more face-to-face -face with someone? That is, at least until you figure out a way to create um, some remote clientele. These are all essential factors of the reality of working in fitness. This conversation uh, or this episode came up because I was talking to someone about possibly switching careers. So I want to make sure if you are also thinking about that, that you understand the reality behind the fitness business. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. You can also find me on my website, ironstrongfitness.net, or follow me on Instagram at ironstrongfit. See you at the next episode.